Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Woody Allen Adjacent, right here on the Woody Allen Retrospective podcast feed. Until Woody Allen returns with another release we can dissect into, we will continue our journey talking about all the other films in cinema that we want to talk about, draw comparisons to, bring up for our own reasons, and just we find a relevant reason to bring up different movies. And this movie is no exception. As always, I'm joined by my co-host with the most, the crazy movie mania junkie, James Daniel Walsh, author, Sorcerer Supreme. Sir, welcome back. <laughs> nice to be here. I'm always throwing titles on top of everyone's name when I have them on the show. Yeah, lovely to have you, man. Um, it has been very interesting. Before we get into the movie, Woody Allen talk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you guys know right off the bat, I have decided I am going to talk about Allen versus Farrell. Yes, the documentary that wrapped up the four-part don't know why it's four parts the four-part documentary series which pretty much is a mere Farrell family side of the fair and I've already watched the first episode and um it's interesting but not because of the topics that they raise because I believe Woody Allen's innocent so I find it interesting in the way they're crafting that narrative um I spoke to James about doing this and he is willing to basically be a soundboard with me like i'll I'll watch it (laughs) james is gonna be on the episode with me next month where we're gonna i'm gonna talk about my thoughts on what they did on the documentary and james has humbly accepted the challenge to sit there and listen to me talk about the movie because he didn't have the balls to actually watch these episodes james i did not no i'm (laughs) I'm disappointed with you i'm gonna give you uh, a boo right now yeah it's just i I, I accept it how could you not do it, James? How could you not suffer? Oh, sorry, not suffer. How could you not watch this momentous, fair, journalistic endeavor with me? How could you not do it? You know, it's because I, I'm a, I'm a, a, an incel, and uh, I hate women, and uh, uh, I, I, I don't believe uh, uh, survivors. That's why. Obviously, that's what'll be said. No, I, when I saw the the trailer for it i watched it and i just i just said oh well they're not gonna they're not gonna show both sides they're not even gonna attempt to look like they are being fair this isn't a documentary this is a a sounding board for the pharaohs that's all it is and uh i have no interest in sitting there for four episodes and i i will be very interested when we have this discussion Mm-hmm. For you to tell me how they could fill four episodes with something that that I, I can't imagine would take more than 20 minutes. I mean, I've watched the first episode and right now they're praising Woody Allen a lot as a filmmaker, you know, talking about how skilled he is, how much they loved past tense him. So I'm just I'm just waiting for the, you know, the jack in the box sucker punch that's coming uh but yeah they they they've padded it out in a way but that's just a little taste i don't want to take up this discussion talking about that but yes we're going to talk about it. it's going to be in april um i don't know if we're going to skip the movie because of it but the movie of the next month but we'll see we'll see we might not but it depends what our schedule's like so guys stay tuned for that um and yeah let's push on ahead if you missed our last discussion when we spoke about 
2019's Marriage Story, the Netflix movie with Scarlett Johansson and Ben Solo, then you can click <laughs> Adam Driver. Then you can click the YouTube card in the top right hand corner. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put a link to that and the playlist. And James, I want you to know that we have our own playlist for our discussions on YouTube as well. So if people want to just listen to our Woody adjacent discussions, it has a separate playlist now, which I will link in the podcast description, uh, the YouTube card description, blah, blah, blah. Let's get on with the next movie. James, this is your pick of the month. Give us a little synopsis of the movie. And then for once, I'm actually going to play the trailer after your synopsis. What are we talking about today? Uh, today we are talking about the 2014 movie They Came Together, directed by David Wayne and starring Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. Uh, this is, this is, it, it, it's hard to call it like a, a an homage to Woody in the sense that the other movies we've talked about are. This is more of a, a spoof of the romantic comedy genre. Uh, but when you watch the movie and you see all of the tropes that they make fun of from romantic comedies, you realize really quickly that Woody Allen invented most of these. Yeah. And so, you know, you watch it, and if you're a Woody Allen fan, you you get the, uh, especially the talk about New York and and things like that. You, it, it, it's hard to sum it up as a plot because it's really just 90 minutes of, jokes so yeah. uh yeah you go go ahead and play the trailer and see if the audience can figure anything out from that. i <laughs> i will do that in fact i've been waiting to play this trailer for a long time are you ready for this mm-hmm. it's fine it's time we finally talk about this movie right here the bells been rough. are you ready to talk about this can you hear that? We're going to talk about this now. Oh, I could talk about this one, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's flip it, guys. April Fool. Oh, wait a minute. April Fool's... Nah. You know, I thought about doing that as an April Fool's joke. Let's just talk about the Snyder Cut instead, but no. We'll get, uh, we'll get a lot of hate. So let me play the actual trailer, guys. That was my terribly bad April Fool's joke. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So... Joel Molly, how'd you two meet? Kind of a corny, romantic comedy kind of story. <laughs> that's, that's true. From the creators of Wet Hot American Summer comes a film that dares to reveal the true meaning of love. <gasps> Is she okay? You all right? If you love love stories... You like fiction books? I never met anyone else who likes fiction. That is too funny. And if you love falling in love... <laughs> then you will love this love story. Hey, you look different. Really? You think so? We've got Groucho glasses on. You noticed. Well, great story. Yeah, we should get together again very soon. We're not done. Yeah, sit down. Well, actually, you know it's getting so late. Put your ass down, Karen. From the director of Role Models. If I were you, I would be very wary of my motives. Yummy, yummy in my tummy. It's hot, 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 hot. (laughs) The point of love is to get laid. And I'm talking about sexual intercourse. Two points. Swish. Do not listen to Mr. Chronically Single, always dating some new hot chick guy. Comes a romantic comedy. All hail Joel. 
Trevor, didn't you hear? You're fired. So get out of here before I change my mind. No, I want you to change your mind. Then I'll still have a job. Like you've always seen before. They came together. No, no we, we didn't. didn't. Only better. Go jump in a lake, meathead. Oh. I just wanted to give a taster. Didn't want to play the whole thing, but... <laughs> Oh, James, um, I need you to go first on, you know, why you recommended... I want you to deep a little bit dive on what you, um, why you recommended this movie, what you think it does well, why you like it, why you... Rec- you know, just give us the whole bit before I go on about how I think this is the worst movie ever made. I want you to go first. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a David Wayne fan. I uh, was a fan of Wet Hot American Summer and a movie he did called The Ten uh, that not many people had seen. Hmm. Um, so I, I saw this at a video store. I, I, I had seen a review for it and it was a bad review, but it was from people I didn't trust. So, uh, I went ahead and I rented it and watched it and, uh, and I laughed. I mean, I, I consistently laughed the whole way through there. It, the movie can, I can see how some people would find it not funny, but annoying. And for me, the, the movie walked that line so perfectly where there were jokes that were repeated. And just when I was about to say, okay, it's not funny anymore, they stopped. Mm. And uh, it's got a great cast, Paul Rudd, Navy Poehler, and Bill Hader. And there's, there's so many great comedic actors in this movie that are all sort of just being silly i mean the entire movie is just them being silly there is no heartfelt moment there is no deeper meaning to any of it this is just grown-ups acting like idiot children and uh, it made me laugh the whole way through um i found this movie humorous but i did find myself wishing it went further because you know when you were, i don't know if it's the the sign of the time that we signs of the times that we're in or maybe i'm just too much of a snooty movie guy that i just always expect my movies to go a little bit deeper or be more submersive or maybe that's just what i'm looking for but of course paul rudd has done this a lot and amy polar she does a lot of this kind of light comedy as well because they were parried in the genre and the genre they're parodying does this a lot in their own movies I thought they would t- take it a step further, which they do, but not as far as I, I just, they kept it so surface level, so family guy level that I was frustrated, like go further. And the few times they did, there was one crazy, crazy time where it was so surreal and so fucking crazy. I was like, wow. And that's the time where Paul Rudd it meets his grandmother. <laughs> I knew that scene was going to get brought up at some point. Yeah, and it's the but the thing is, it's so crazy, so out there. I actually wish the movie went there more because, other than that, I felt like this was more of an extension of what they do on Saturday Night Live. And in the UK, we don't even get Saturday Night Live weekly. Mm. You know, we have to I have to watch it on YouTube. But I love some of the the sketches. And here's the thing: I'm watching this movie, and I feel like the actors are having so much fun. I, I mean, I've got some clips I'm going to play of the actors and the writer talking about making this movie and how much love they have for the, the genre and how much they love to poke fun at it. And a lot of it is 
clever. But like you said, most of it is just silly. And I just found myself a bit just disappointed. Like this is like fun, but it just feels like to me, SNL sketches the movie, you know, and um, this, I mean, I think the, I think I enjoyed this movie the more I watched it. And what I mean, repeat viewing, I watched this movie twice. The first time I was dis- so disappointed because especially the climax when I thought they were really going to submit because I'm like, you know, they even signpost, they tell you that you, they actually, I wish I got the clip. They said, you know what we're going to do, right? You know, this is what happens in these movies. Yeah. And then they did it even though they made it even more outlandish. And I just thought to myself, that was a chance to completely break my expectations. But I understand they just want to parody it, parody, parody it and mock it. And I just, I was just disappointed. I just wanted, I, it, it was, it, it was bordering on, like you said, predictable, but then it would slightly break the predictability and then fall back into it. And that's what just made me like, oh man. So um, <laughs> for me, I didn't hate the movie. I think it's watchable. I just feel like I expected them, especially when you've got, what, two decades of these kind of movies along. And there's two movies I want to bring up in in relation to this that I felt like, I know you're going to hate this example as well, Date Movie. Date Movie is, again, the straight parody, the straight, I know, just the spin-off of the scary movie stuff where they go for lowbrow humour, they throw in every... It's more like a really dumbed family, even worse. It's even less sophisticated than this. This is way better than Date Movie, without a doubt. And again, they're trying to parody the genre. This is better than that. But I hate to say it, but to me, not by that much. I just think Date Movie is a lot more juvenile, where this is a lot more sensible. But I do respect a lot of the jokes here. And I just, I just wish they went a little bit deeper with the comedy and just, you know, but I think, funny enough, when I went on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, it's kind of a 50-50 split. I feel mm-hmm. like people love it or they hate it. Well, yeah, uh, when I watched it with my girlfriend, uh, the first five minutes, she was like, oh my God, I hate this movie so much. And we kept watching it and like 15 minutes later, she started laughing. And then laughed consistently for a while and then went back to oh my god i hate these people and then started laughing again so even she was at the end of it i looked at her and said what do you think and she was like i don't know i it made me laugh but i didn't like it yeah and i you know i i made the joke before the podcast that this is you know in comparison to to woody allen stuff this is one of the early funny ones um, this is nowhere near as good as Sleeper or Bananas or Love and Death. But it's in that vein. It's in the vein of... But like I said, it's making fun of a genre that really Woody Allen invented. There were romantic comedies before Annie Hall. But after Annie Hall, every romantic comedy was trying to be Annie Hall. And to this day is still doing that they may not know it they may not recognize it but they're still trying to be annie hall yeah and uh and that's the movie i felt like if there was one movie it was parodying it was uh annie hall that's the biggest um 
that's the bigger conversation I want to have because that's what that's what this made me this movie made me realize and I, again this is highly subjective because I started to think do I even like romantic comedies and then what I really started to understand is what I and now this is the conversation I really want to have with you and before we get into that, I'm, I want to play, I want actually the cast and crew and the producer to talk a bit more about this movie because it's going to bring home the deeper discussion I want to have about this. Because for some people, this is a throwaway movie. Like, funny enough, I'm going to go back to something that you said with you. I'm sure you're going to be surprised. When you said, James, you watched a review that you didn't trust from people you don't trust, I'm going to bet £50 that this might be the review was talking about. Why don't I play it right now? So I would love to have loved this movie. Me too. It is shockingly terrible. I did love it and it feels great. This movie is so deliberate in poking fun of every single romantic comedy cliche that I'm just sold. It's it's one joke. If you if your complaint is that it is one joke that the romantic comedy is stupid, I get that. But they tell the joke in so many weird, surrealistic, off-putting ways. That's my, my complaint is that there isn't one joke in this whole movie. <laughs> the movie is you're looking at people who have obviously studied the romantic comedy genre. They they know all the bits and pieces yeah. and they lay them out in this way that you think okay well now you're going to make fun of them right and then they never quite ever get around to making fun of them they just sort of present them in a way to say well this happens and you know that this happens and then we're going to subvert it by doing something different but it's not going to be anything funny like they'll set up a situation that you know is a contrived romantic comedy cliche you think they'll do something subversive or make some comment about it but instead they'll just do the opposite thing, and that's supposed to be funny, and it's almost never no, funny. They, they, so there is one joke, and they can't just tell the joke. They have to tell you that they're telling you the joke. And then they, they tell And it. then they tell it again. And then right, they tell you they told it. Right, and then they, they over-explain everything. This thing is such a straightforward romantic comedy. It reminded me of, like, Gus Van Sant's shot-for-shot remake of Psycho. Like, it's essentially, <laughs> they've made a romantic comedy. And there are a couple of moments where they do these really absurd flights of weirdness, and that's when it works. James, did I get it right? Was that the review you were talking about? It was exactly the review I was talking about. <laughs> I knew it! And the reason I knew it is because we've spoken about this YouTube channel, which is now, well, the, the review side of the channel, which is now stopped, which is called What The Flick. There used to be a group um, spun off of the Young Turks, Young Turks YouTube channel, where they had these free journalists, movie reviewers and pundits talk about movies as well. They hate Woody Allen. I'm not even going to... They love his movies, but they... When it comes to Woody Allen, they've said some really slanderous things, not even looking into the case. So believe me, I know... Yeah. I, I, I understand exactly who I'm dealing with. But in regards to their review, I'm slightly leaning towards agreeing with them to a certain extent, because, I again, I mirror some of the things that that I feel with this movie as well but I still feel like it was kind of a conscious choice for them to make this movie a bit more light and they didn't they were just having more fun at at poking at the genre a lot more than going deeper and subverting it I don't really think that was their intention and personally I just think that's a bit more of a missed opportunity because I just think it would um and again it might just be the film stopping me that the film stopping me that feels that way because many people do like the movie and it, it maybe it serves more people to be more surface level and more pokey on a whole and not be as submersive so you know I, I don't know because even on that review by the way there was one lady who loved the movie 
who loved it. She, she was the one that started talking at first. She loved the movie, defended it really, really well, a bit like you are as well. So it, again, I love having those conversations where we don't agree, but where we can try, we're trying to see the negative and positive in these things and the narrative and the construction. And in a moment, I'm going to play a clip from the writers talking about it. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you follow up from that clip there. Well, uh, the woman who enjoyed it from that uh, episode of What the Flick is not one of the regular contributors. She's just yeah. somebody who came on, which is why her opinion meant a little bit more to me. <laughs> uh, I stopped watching What the Flick actually when uh, they, I think it was after Dylan's interview and Matt Atchity, who's one of the, the main, was one of the main contributors and I think is uh, runs Rotten Tomatoes or something. Mm. He said, that's it. I'm done with Woody Allen. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to review his movies anymore. And I um, I, I stopped watching after that because I just, first of all, I found that I found them to be film snobs. Like they were so yeah. dismissive of just about every movie. But um, when he said that, I just remember thinking, that's not your job. Your job is to review movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a movie out, review it but don't you know i i found it very grandstanding and it just turned me off to the the whole show they they, they, they love blue jasmine i mean they still loved his movies and i i was I, i'm I, i'm pretty sure it was wonder wheel when they spoke about wonder wheel they and again that's when dylan came out and lambosted woody allen as well that's when they read i can't do it no more it's a great movie but i believe her believe all victims they just seemed so blinded and ultra liberal without even looking at evidence or anything like that i it, it did it did turn me off as well but unlike them i kind of separated their feelings for woody into their criticism and although they're super snobbish i actually like their snobbery it's amusing to me <laughs> and I well, think, that's why i watched it for so long yeah 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 so but yeah, uh, yeah. What the flick? Yeah, they, 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 they're gone now. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we hear from the actual um, writer director I, again? I took this. They did a uh, Sundance carpet um, kind of a junket with YouTube. YouTube tried to get into the film critique space officially, didn't really work out because they were using Google Plus. So again, I'll put a link to this whole discussion on uh, the podcast feed. But I just took some select cuts of the discussion and i just want james's opinion on that especially then i'm going to play two clips and then we'll talk about them individually so let me go with the first one here so they came together premieres tonight i i read that it's a spoof of a rom-com it's a spoof of sorts and, and a little close to one that that's a favorite of a lot of people's maybe a little little similar do you know you've what i'm referring mail. to you've, you've got, got mail. mail oh yeah it, the plot is from you've got mail just the plot the story <laughs> but you know and I know you know that You've Got Mail is also based on another movie. It is The Shop, the around, shop the around the Corner. But yes. that, in turn, is based on the play The Fantastics. That's true, which actually just opened in L.A. a little which while ago. Which Fantastics is based on the Shakespearean play As You Like It, which was based on Romeo and Juliet, which was based on an ancient Greek myth called They Came Together. Oh, that I didn't know. Yes. That's new. When in Paul Greek, Rudd. it's called Ephelos. So after listening to that, I got that clip the firstly just because I just they were having fun in this clip. They were just obviously they related the movie. They're very aware of everything. They're parodying, and it's 
that's the conversation I want to dive deeper into. And that's why I'm going to play the second clip where they go a little bit deeper into what I want to hint at. So do you guys have rom-coms that are your favorites that, you know, kind of inspired this? You're secretly big fans. I know it's Harry Met Sally on 24-7. No, we love all the rom-coms. I I particularly love the great rom-coms and also the sort of middle-level ones that are not hugely accomplished but follow the formula very slavishly. What are those? What's a middle-level rom-com? Honestly, the titles are very hard to remember <laughs> they're all because the they're all like, you know, <laughs> you, you walked in the door or love and you or you and my love or and then there was you and then there somebody and, like you. There we were. And, and so what makes this one different? Obviously, you've got some of the funniest people around. We just decided out. to make one of those. Oh, <laughs> and that's why it's different. <laughs> no, it's we it's a it's a it's a goofball, goofy, okay. absurd, crazy, spoofy. Well, we're poking fun. We're, we're having poking, fun at something. We're poking fun at uh, something at the we love. Genre. Yeah. So when I heard them again, I this it, it, it frustrated me to hear them understand what they were doing because I just wanted them to subvert it so badly. But then I came into myself and thought to myself, "What do I think a great? If I don't think this is a great romantic comedy, what is?" And some of these films, James, I want to talk to you during our reign in this or the adjacent project then I, i'm going to give you an example so train wreck i oh. think is a really good movie you seen train wreck yeah would you class that as a romantic comedy what would you class that as uh i think it's a romantic comedy um first of all i mean i i saw it at a time when i actually liked amy schumer she's robbed me of that since then but uh i i <laughs> was a fan of the first two seasons of her show and uh her stand-up up to that point and i'm a huge bill Hader fan yeah yeah and he was, uh, he was in that as well which is cool <laughs> yeah and so those two it was the last thing i saw that i liked from amy schumer and uh yeah it, it seemed like a pretty especially towards the end you know the big you, she, the big romantic gesture to yeah. when the couple breaks up and in the end of act two and you've got to you know bring them back together at the end all of that seemed very typical romantic comedy i don't know with me i'm very pedantic i guess with this because i feel like a, a romantic comedy has to be like 50 you have to feel a romance in this like ratios which means that 50 percent i can feel a romance 50% I could feel comedy. With Trainwreck, I felt like it was very close, like kind of even. It was funny and it, there was romance in chemistry. And when I, it, all the romantic comedies they were spinning off in their little spiel there, all the, came to, all the spin-off names, all of those movies with those weird names, that just those just seemed like really lame, dry, soft movies that were just romances. I never found any movie like that funny. It's very rare for me to actually find a romance movie I actually find funny. Like another example, there's something about Mary. People try to, I find that to be a comedy first. Like mm-hmm. 89% comedy, 10% romance. But mm-hmm. again, people will class that as a romantic comedy. You know, um, I went and I got a list of like BFIs and all these IndieWire's top romantic comedies valentine's day all like the the well quote-unquote chick flicks i don't find them funny Uh i just find them uh, that weak 
micro dramas with a lot of I, I, they're just not funny it's like they consider comedy with slight hints of romance a romantic comedy and to yeah. me a, like a pure romantic comedy has to be funny 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 and funny and romantic like i'm gonna i think i want to talk about this movie down the line addicted to love with meg oh, yeah. ryan and matthew yeah. Broderick. i think that is a romantic comedy because it's funny and there's romance and chemistry and i think the balance is 50 50. i think the ratio is 50 50. going to annie hall perfect example annie hall is a funny movie but the romance of diane keaton and woody allen it's his own movie and it is 50 50 split that and to me the bar is so high for romantic comedies i don't want to see i don't really most of these movies they class romantic comedies i find them just to be either weak romances or really bad light comedies but again i'm just being pedantic but that's how i feel this movie they came together it's just a comedy to me it's just a spoof yes. and they don't have any to me uh, to be harsh i don't really think paul rudd and amy hall have any chemistry and i know that's not the point because it's a spoof anyway but i i, I don't know i just sometimes I, I feel like maybe if it was a Maybe if it was, well, not Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, but maybe if it was serious actors doing this and they had chemistry and it was funny, it would be better. And there's, I can give examples for this, but I've gone on a bit of a ramble. <laughs> what do you think of what I'm what I'm saying, what I'm alluding to? You think I'm crazy? Well, I, I think as far as Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd's chemistry, I feel like they had comedic chemistry. Like you, True. I, I, I would look at them and I wouldn't think, they're in love i think oh in real life they're probably really good friends and they're having a, a lot of fun doing this sure um i am not a fan of romantic comedies the two big ones that everybody always brings up when harry met sally yeah which i only watched for the first time about four years ago and i literally remember nothing about it other mm. than the big things that everybody knows and sleepless in seattle which i've never seen uh because uh, it's just not a genre that it's a genre where the movie has to be so good. Like you said, it's got to have that balance to it. Do you find, uh, let me stop you there. Do you find How We Met Sally to be even a romantic comedy? Because I don't. It's a, it's a romance. I don't think I yes. laughed in it. I, th I mean, part of it is uh, some of the things make Ryan's fake orgasm and stuff. Those are things. I, the movie came out when I was eight years old. So, yeah. you know, you, you know, all the iconic things that happened. So I don't know if I would have laughed going in completely cold, but no, I just found it to be a pretty standard romantic movie that again, um, I, the, the woman that I was dating at the time who said, Oh, you have to watch this movie. It's great. She hated Woody Allen movies. And I, mm. afterwards I turned to her and I said, this is just a Woody Allen movie. Yeah. That's all. That's all. This is. This is a weaker Woody Allen movie, but this is just a Woody Allen movie. We're, we're meant to be talking about this, by the way, so don't go yeah. too far. To... <laughs> but, uh, no, I would. I would say, you know, I, I used to, like, twenty years ago, the AFI were, would do these annual specials: the hundred greatest movies, yeah, hundred greatest uh, actors, hundred greatest comedies. On the hundred greatest comedies one, Annie Hall came in really high, and I'll yeah. never forget something that Steve Martin said when he was talking about it. Mm. that most of the time you watch a romantic comedy and you think to yourself these two these two people don't love each other they're not really in love yes they're just two actors 
but in Annie Hall, you believed it. You exactly. believed that these two people were in love, that they were supposed to be together. And that's what most of these comedies don't achieve for me. Yes. Uh, which yes, is why Annie Hall is, Annie Hall is the greatest romantic comedy ever made. That, and to, yes, and I think in one in 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 some ways it's the only true one. And I know how elitist I sound right now. <laughs> Believe me, I know. But the the ratios are not there with so many of these movies. Now I'm on Rotten Tomatoes top two hundred romantic comedies. I'm actually I don't know if I'll be say I'm impressed with this list, but you know the top you can well Annie Hall's number four. Annie Hall's in there. And a movie I'm surprised that like most of these movies are from the 30s. Again, I don't know if they're just being film snobs or not, like the What the Flick people, because I'm like, most of people today have not seen any of these movies. I'm sorry. You know, I, I could throw some out there. But one movie I saw, and I think is a great example, and I've just lost the name, it's based off the true story with uh, not Kenil and Johnny. Oh, uh, The Big Sick. The Big Sick. Again, they say it's one of the greatest romantic comedies. I think it's a drama. Yeah. And I think it's a great movie. I do love that movie. I think it's very, you know, it's a true story as well, which is great. The comedy is sprinkled. It's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's funny, but I don't think yeah. it's trying to be a comedy. So I bring all this up. Let me wrap it around back to the movie They Came Together. So when I think about They Came Together, I don't, I don't come down as hard on this movie as others just because I understand what is parodying is movies that I don't even find to be romantic comedies. They're parodying movies that aren't even romances, really. They're just weak, you know, and maybe they're fed up of them and they just take it. So, again, to me, it's like a SNL skit, SNL sketch. And for that, I think it's good. I just want something that is more subversive. You know, I, I, I want a story and that brings us back. Let's go to the Woody Allen question. Not even if Woody Allen, because I don't think he would do a spoof of the genre because, again, he kind of created it unwittingly and he I don't think he has any interest in picking apart all these stupid elements that have been played out for 20 years through all these other movies. I don't think he wants to do everything this movie does. They came together. I don't, I don't think Woody Allen would even bother to do. I would think he would just do a story and he'll make it funny, just like you said with Sleeper. Or even, you know, the only true parody he ever really did. The, I can't even, I can't even say the name of the movie, right? A hundred and one things about sex. You forgot to oh, ask. Yeah. Everything uh -huh. you want to know about sex. That's his true parody movie, right? It's a sketch. It's basically a, a series of sketches strung together. Is Woody would Woody Allen do something like that in a romantic? At his age, I don't think so. Yeah. If he did this movie or did a movie like this. How would I just think it would be more of a straight narrative story? And well, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think the thing is, too, uh, he, the reason he wouldn't ever even consider doing a movie like this is, like I said, all the things that he would be parodying were things that he invented, you know. I, and I'm sure the people who made the movie will say, oh, well, you know, when Harry met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. All those movies are taking elements from Annie Hall. So it would be him trying to make fun of something that he already has done much better. And yeah. there's no reason for him to ever uh, 
ever do that. I, I don't think he would, I mean, where he's at in his career, I think Rainy Day in New York proved to us that he can't really write young people. <laughs> he never did. He never has. I mean, do you remember that movie that me and Simon couldn't stand anything else? I have not watched that one yet it because it's so, so low on the list of Woody Allen movies. It is uh, visually gorgeous, great cinematography, amazing. It is one of the most, the two young people in love doing bad things to each other, or one is a doormat, or it is just so. I mean, even before he did, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rainy Day in New York, which people love. I'm surprised how much people love Rainy Day in New York, actually. I'm really surprised how much they love it. But I always commend him for trying, but he can't. Well, I think he could. I mean, if the, the best example of him showing he could write young people is Vicky Cristina Barcelona. That, yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't say a, that's youngish, though. I mean, they were. I get what you mean, though. It's got an energy to it. I get what you mean. They were they were a specific type of young person, but yeah. you know, I mean, but also Scarlett Johansson. Uh, if you compare like her acting chops to Selena Gomez, nine day, yeah. So, uh, or if you you know, uh, why is his name escaping me right now? The the lead actor in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Oh, uh, Javier, Javier. but Bo- yeah. yeah. Uh, him compared to Timothy Charlemagne all the good actors in Rainy Day in New York like Jude Law and Liam Shriver were in the supporting roles and didn't have a lot to do and he put it all on these you know 20 year olds to carry the movie that uh, he just did not know how to write for them I'm gonna um, I'm gonna play Amy uh, Amy (laughs) I'm gonna say Amy Amy Polar's little comment on the movie which again I, when you hear them talk about the movie they know what they're doing it, it, again my expectations and other people like the what the flick guys and other film snobs expectations might be different watching this movie and, and i'm kind of glad you recommended this movie because it was a break it was sometimes you just need to let out some steam you don't need subversive super intellectual super comedy it's just dumb and i'm gonna let amy say it in the best possible way how did you guys come on board then? We had done a re- we were uh, at a sketch festival having a wet hot reunion, and um, we did a reading of the script. And Paul and I were like, "This is so funny. We should try to do this." And then many months later, we got to do it, which was really cool. Yeah. Now, if you say that one thing that makes this movie stand out, what would it be? It's really dumb. <laughs> in the best way it's really really stupid is that the kind of comedy that really appeals to you I mean I just I mean that as the highest compliment it's one of the stupidest movies I've ever been in and I I think people that enjoy comedy will understand what I mean when I say that it's really good yeah I mean, you know there's nothing wrong with that you know expectations um, I want to throw one more movie in there which maybe disappointed me even more in this movie this is a movie that advertised itself as going to subvert the genre a great idea and when i watched the movie i hated it netflix released a movie with rebel wilson isn't it romantic uh-huh. did you see that movie i didn't see it but i i saw it on netflix yeah i mean great idea she wakes up in a rom-com that she can't get out of that she can't control and again they're parodying all the tropes oh that movie was a it wasn't again that movie wasn't even a parody because she was stuck in the movie and she was identifying the tropes 
and it was interesting. And I thought, what are they going to do with it? Because it's it's kind of fourth wall breaking, right? She's aware. She's stuck in this movie. She knows the tropes. She's living in it. And again, I thought it would have been a much more interesting movie. Again, ironically, that movie is more something Woody Allen would do. Mm-hmm. Just like, because again, entering a different universe, he kind of did that with um, the movie with uh, the cinema movie with Mia Farrow. And I can't remember anything because my brain's gone. Purple Rose? Yes, Purple Rose, exactly. Very similar in a way to Purple Rose, isn't it romantic? So I think Woody Allen would do something more like that rather than this. But, I mean, I I appreciate you recommending this. It was a nice break. And by the way, I love Paul Rudd. I think he's uh-huh. a multifaceted actor. Multifaceted. He been, he's been doing rom-coms, dramas, everything for so long. There's a movie people have recommended us talk to talk about in the Woody Adjacent uh, talks that we're going to do as well. I'm very mixed on the movie and I don't think it ages well, but we will see when we get to it. I actually think it's going to annoy you, James. <laughs> um, I think I'll, I'll even tell you the name of the movie just in case you see it. It's called The Shape of Things. Oh. I think it was based off a play and I, be, I believe it was released in 2002 or something. We're definitely going to watch and talk about that movie. Very, very vaguely remember it. Yeah. yeah. Pe- People say it's got Woody Allen hints to it as well. It's a it's a serious movie. It's not a romantic comedy. It's more like a drama with a darker twist to it, which again, Paul Rudd is great. And in this, by the way, I didn't even mention this. All the actors in this movie are great. There are, you know, mm-hmm. Keenan Thompson was in this. Uh, again, as you said, um, Bill Hader was in this. The scene, this, uh, let me praise the movie a bit more. There's a lot of jokes in here I liked. A lot. Uh, my favorite joke, and by the way, it's one of the worst ones. And the reason why <laughs> the reason why it's one of the worst jokes is the, it's guaranteed to make people walk out of this movie. Uh-huh. It's the bar joke. Yes. <laughs> Guy walks into a bar and said, oh, I, I'm just paraphrasing. He's like, I've had one hell of a day. And he's like, tell me about it. Scene loops. Yep. I've had one hell of a day. Tell me about it. Scene loops. They committed to that for, in real time, I'll say five solid minutes, which feels like an hour. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But I thought it was funny. That specifically was the joke I was saying. Yeah. They took it right up to the point where I was getting annoyed. Yeah. And they stopped. I think so... they went past that point. If for me, it went to annoyance <laughs> back to being funny. And it reminds me of the uh-huh. classic Family Guy joke where Peter Griffin, you know, hurts his leg. Uh-huh. Ah, <laughs> you know, for 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. so... Another, there was a lot of jokes. Again, the surreal joke with the grandma, very twisted. Love that. There's a lot of sight gags in here. Like, there's a gag, again, because they're poking fun of the genre, where his ex, well, not his ex, his current girlfriend, who treats him like shit. You know, he walks into the house, he can hear them loudly having sex. He just is, he just keeps on going. They, they break going. into the room at one point and yeah. they're having sex right behind his back. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, literally, he should have walked backwards into them, not yeah. looking at them, hearing them, and be like, I can't, what, what, what? I mean, they would commit, and yeah, a lot of that I loved, but I just, the, the, the basketball scene, where there's all the character uh, uh-huh. character archetypes described to him, the single black friend, and that's the Marvel dig. Now, that's mm-hmm. the Marvel deep cut. Did you notice Amy Polar's best friend? I remember her, I don't remember specifically who she was the black lady really she should be very familiar if you're catching up with marvel right now 
Is she on uh, WandaVision? Correct. That's Tiana Harris oh. from WandaVision. Guess what her okay. name was in this movie? Wanda? <laughs> it was Wanda! <laughs> oh, the irony. People, some some uh, Marvel fans would be like, oh my God, Marvel went deep. <laughs> yeah, but again, they have the single black friend stereotype there as well. They really thought about this movie. Don't get me wrong. The joke, when he got back together, Paul Rudd got back together with his ex and they had some crazy sex that was hilarious. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was one bit in this movie that always made me laugh. Like he was just about to walk out of the room and he would go, hey, <laughs> stop again. Hey, 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 thanks. Yeah, and they just, they did that like five times. James, it worked. And I, yeah. I, this, honestly, for me, had potential to be a great movie, a great comedy. And for me, I was just disappointed because I was just like, keep going, keep going further, keep going to that uncomfortable, crazy place where, and, you know, if I got the movie I wanted, the movie probably would have been hated more and it would have been okay. more weird and it would have been more like... But I think this movie, correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't it kind of gone into obscurity as well? Because I don't Completely, think... Completely, as, as most of David Wayne's movies have other than Wet Hot American Summer. Um, I, like I said, he made a movie before this called The Ten. Hmm. And it's a spoof of the Ten Commandments. And it's actually like, it, it's it's just a sketch movie. And Paul Rudd is just introducing these ten sketches that are each kind of making fun of the Ten Commandments. And they go from, uh, you know, something kind of light and silly, which is like a, a, a neighbor, you know, envying his neighbor because he got a, a, a CAT scan machine. And so he's got to get a cat scan machine and the neighbor got to get two cat scan machines and it just sort of ramps up. But then it goes really hard. Like, uh, uh, thou shalt not, uh, commit adultery is a guy in prison trying to decide if he wants to stay with his rapist or not. Wow. So it goes dark in that moment. And it, like you said, with the grandma scene in, they came together where, I was watching it and I just, I was not, I was more laughing on the inside because I couldn't quite believe what they were doing. Yeah. In my head, I'm thinking, no, they're not, they're not going to do this. And then they kind of, they take it right up to that line, right up to the moment where I would have been turned off by the movie. And then, you know, and then he goes to leave and turns to his grandma and says, hey, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Paul Rudd's execution is 100% perfect. He was perfectly cast as a movie. Amy Poehler, nothing against her. I think she's fine, but I don't think she's on the level of, of Paul Rudd here. No, I, I, I like Amy Poehler. I'm not a, a huge fan. Like, I didn't watch Parks and Rec, really. Or I like her well enough. But, yeah, Paul Rudd is... Uh, I, I I very I I admire him for doing this movie because the ten didn't make any money. I mean, it, more people know about they came together than know about the ten, and he was already cast as Ant Man. Yeah. When when they made this movie, and they made this movie for no money, it made even less money than what uh, they made it for. It, it only made eighty two thousand dollars. But he said, you know what? This is funny. I want to do this. 
And I hope that he continues to do that instead of going, well, I'm a big star now. I'm Ant-Man, so I'm only going to do these big, huge movies where I get paid $20 million every time. He's too funny to get lost into that kind of a... Because that has killed so many comedians where they, they, you know, they're like, nope, I, if you can't pay me, you know, $20 million, I'm not going to do this movie. And uh, so all they're doing are these big budget movies that aren't funny. And he's, he's just way too talented to be, to, to get lost in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say, man. Um, I, I think I appreciate this movie more. And I actually do think upon repeat viewings, I think it's funnier, especially if you know what's coming, but I just think you need to, and again, I might be speaking for just myself or people like me, set your expectations, you know, because when you hear what it is, you'll be like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And then it's just at that family guy level the whole time, except for the few, few curveballs that are great, which is just a bit disappointing to me, but um, I think it's a decent comedy and it's way better than date movie. Then yeah. isn't it romantic? Then, uh, cause don't get me wrong. People have tried to make romantic spoofs and I might be guys, listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, guys, haven't you heard about this romantic comedy subversion? That's really great. I mean, let us know. We haven't seen every movie under the sun. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if someone really did make a good one and we don't know. Let us know. Leave a comment on YouTube. Leave a comment on our podcast feed. Email us, planettyro at gmail.com. People actually have found the email, except for the hate mail that we get all the time. And, you know, even I shared the email with uh, James recently from someone who really appreciated our continued conversation and even gave us a recommendation, which I think I'm going to inject into our conversation later this year. What do you think, James? Absolutely. If we've got a fan who wants to see something, I think we should take their uh, recommendations. Yeah, yeah, that's all good. So I'm going to throw the ball over to you. Is there anything else you want to finish up on? Anything you think we didn't cover? I hope I didn't. I, I try not to be harsh on the movie I didn't <laughs> love, but I felt like there's some definitely some good here. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I think it, the the bar was set so low by I love you, daddy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we haven't watched anything nearly as bad as that no, um, no 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 no. this is not you know i mean i was thinking about marriage story long after i was done watching it yeah this is not that amy poehler summed it up perfectly this is just dumb this is yeah this is just junk food it's put it on laugh about it you might quote a joke or two to a friend but even like the, you know, some of the jokes, it'd be, it'd be too weird to try and explain to a friend. You'd have to just say, no, you're just going to have to see it. Uh, the one thing I will say, too, and I said this last month about Marriage Story, that it's a, it's a damn shame that we'll never get a movie where Woody Allen directs Adam Driver. Yeah. It is a damn shame we will never get a movie where Woody Allen directs Bill Hader. You never know. But I, I, and on on their side, on the actor side, they wouldn't. But not Woody. I know you know we Woody both know. Would do it. Yeah, Woody would yeah. do it, but not the actors because they don't need the the bad press right now. No, and and uh, you know that he's he's he would be perfect for like again. I haven't seen it, but that uh, anything else that was yeah. Jason Biggs in that, right? 
Yeah, Jason Biggs yeah, and Chris Yovich. Jason Yovici. Biggs out. You put Bill Hader in. I guarantee it's a better movie. One, oh, one, you are so on point with that. So, so part of that was I felt like there's there's some movies where I think Woody Allen just was like, oh, this guy's popular. I don't really know what he does. One hundred percent, he did. He picked him because American Pie at the time he was in everyone's. It was a good pick. It was a good idea. And, you know, I think to be honest with you, Jason Biggs was in demand. He had a lot of movies. I mean, he wasn't like a mm-hmm. super paid actor, but at the time, you know, he was a teen. The teens knew him. He was a nerd. He fit that role perfectly. And again, he played the Woody Allen archetype in that movie as well. Ironically, Woody Allen is in that movie with him being his mm-hmm. guide. I really want you to watch the movie anyway, James, to give us. Oh, I, your I, I own it because I own all of the Woody Allen movies. Oh. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I mean. Uh, shifting gears a bit because we've wrapped up on the movie you've even bought Woody Allen's um, you told me you imported Woody Allen's latest movie Riftkins Festival from Italy it might be a bootleg I don't know because I didn't I bought it off of eBay oh eBay so I don't know if I couldn't I went to Amazon Italy to see if they because when I bought Rainy Day in New York I had to go to Amazon France to buy that DVD but uh Amazon Italy doesn't officially have it yet, so what I bought might be a bootleg. I don't know, but we'll see. It's it's going to take it's it's it says it's going to be delivered in late April or early May, so mm. it's coming from pretty far away. Uh, it'll take a while to get here, but yeah, as soon as I get it, if the disc even works, I'll make sure to see if I can uh, get it over to you, and then we can finally talk about Rifkin's Festival. I appreciate that. That again. To be honest with you, James, I've seen the I've seen the uh, the eBay listings, and the only reason I'm not really, I don't want a bootleg, and I want the money to go to Woody directly, not the bootleggers. And I, again, I'm not saying what you're doing is not good because you're a fan, and I I think you showing that support is great, and I'm sure Woody appreciates it as well. When but there's no, a, an official release, I will be I will be purchasing that because I agree. I want Woody to to get. I want my dollars to speak for my support of him. And, yeah. uh, I think on my, on where, you know, in the United States, the possibility of, you know, I said it about rainy day in New York. I was shocked that rainy day in New York came out on DVD. Yeah. And I think the only reason it did was studios had nothing to put out because of COVID. Yeah. Put it on demand and it blew up. And people watched it and it would yeah. happen here. But I think now with this stupid documentary, it's even more toxic yeah, yeah. For them to to take a risk on putting Ripken's Festival out in the United States, so wherever I get it from will probably not be from here. Going back to the um, Alan versus Fowl documentary, and again, I don't want to spoil too much because I want to. We're going to have a discussion about it. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, and I I have no ill towards Dylan Farrell. It, quite frankly, I'm expecting an email directly from her at some point. To tell, to tell us to stop doing the podcast. I guarantee I, I'm expecting it sooner. And it's ain't got nothing to do with fame or oh, you're so big headed. You think, no, she's attacking all fans. Her, her crew, her team are attacking all fans. And so I suspect, you know, a cease and desist or some kind of slander will come out. So that doesn't bother me. But honestly, this is going to be one. I, I think I've said this once before. It wouldn't surprise me. And I know this is a horrible thing to say. If after Mia Farrell dies, Dylan just switches and says, actually, Mia Farrell brainwashed me or something. And if she did, I wouldn't feel no ill towards her either because she is the victim in all of this. I've said that 
And even watching the small bit of the documentary I've seen, she, her mind has been fucked. Mm -hmm. I feel pity for her because one way or the other, the effects of being molested are things she's feeling because she believes yes. she was molested. Yes. So it doesn't have to actually happen to you. If you believe it happened to you, yeah. you're going to suffer all of the the ramifications of it. And so yeah. I have nothing but pity for her. Yeah. And I think, and again, I'll get much more into this when we do it. I think that this is disgusting on the part of Ronan Farrow because he has this deal with HBO to make documentaries and the first thing he does is basically exploit his sister's pain but as much as i do feel pity for her her shaming everybody her telling the publisher not to publish his book and the studios not to release his movies she doesn't get to tell me what book i'm gonna read she doesn't get to tell me what show i'm gonna watch or what movie i'm gonna watch i i, I made this point when i did my my uh rainy day new york review and i kind of went off on a big tangent when they canceled woody allen's autobiography you know it was a very brief window there because it did get picked up and obviously got published but i said in my review i can go on amazon right now and i can buy a copy of mein kampf but i can't buy woody allen's autobiography for those who don't know what mein kampf is you mind just uh hitler's musings and the fact that, again, it's a, it's a completely different story. If, you know, everybody brings up Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski admitted what he did. He was tried. He was convicted. He was, he was arrested, which Woody never was. It's apples and oranges. And, but at the same time, anybody who would say, oh, you own a copy of Chinatown, you should be ashamed of yourself. You don't get to tell me what movie I get to watch. I get to decide what movie to watch, what book to read, and what, if we want to do a podcast to you know talk about Woody Allen movies, we get to do that. People can listen to it or they can not listen to it, but they don't get to tell us not to do it. Well, I, I get told not to do it on a weekly basis. <laughs> the emails, especially since the documentary came out, and I'm sure Robert Whitey and Alec Baldwin and all other Woody Allen supporters are getting it too, because that's what usually happens. But and again, this isn't what was me. I'm just saying that it's the situation. There's any fan of Woody Allen right now, even people we email that are positive and are supporting us, we all kind of get it, you know. And to be honest, you well, again, let's stop here. <laughs> We're gonna save that for the for the other podcast. But James, um oh, before we sign off. Next time, I'm debating what to do because, again, next month we want to cover the Allen vs. Farrell documentary and we also want to continue our adjacent movie talk as well. I wanted to talk about Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset movie set together. Uh, I really, really want to talk about that, but we'll see how it goes. But that will be... You know, we'll, that's the next movie we'll try to two two for one, guys. If you haven't seen the movie, Four Sunrise, Ethan Hawke, Julie Deppley, directed by and written by Richard Linklater, and uh, Before Sunset, same cast and crew. 
those are our next movies we're going to talk about. It's a series of movies set in, meant to be set in real time in terms of the progression. If you know Richard Nicklet has worked from Boyhood, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't and you want to watch the movies before we get to it, feel free to stream the movies. They are available on streaming. Uh, but as for the schedule, uh, stay tuned, stay subscribed, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast feed, let people know. Thank you guys for listening. There's a, We're getting quite a lot of hits from it, which I appreciate. People like what we're doing. And on that note, James, um, how can they reach and get in contact with you? Con- uh, how can they reach and get in contact with you if they want to get in touch with you, sir? I can always be found at manic-expression.com and my books are available on Amazon. His books are... Let's give a shout out to Woody Allen Pages. Since we're all rising each other up in the community, Woody Allen Pages is the great resource for Woody Allen News, Woody Allen Watchers Guides. You know, they've been supportive of the podcast. I, I've i been promoting the guys' books for a while. It's great. Woody, we got so much information when we did the podcast with Simon before. Simon's still around, by the way. I know everyone's like, where's Simon? He's around. Me and him, we're, not, we're still buddies. I saw him the other day. Don't worry, guys. We'll have him on a Ritkins festival. Uh, to be honest, we end up doing two reviews. One with me and James, one with me and Simon. There you go. Why not? So we'll have it both ways. But on that note, enough preamble, guys. Thank you so much. You know what to do. Leave us a review on iTunes. Helps a lot. Until then, happy April Fools. Enjoy your Aprils, your Easter, your whatever. And we'll see you on the next recording, guys. That was very rambly. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that movie uh, no structure to it to really progress through it was i i kind of expected it to be pretty uh all over the place <laughs>